Okay, Ryan, so you said that you're confused and be played with that a bit. That in fact, yeah. that's one of the primary feelings, and we'll get into it, and you will understand that particular part of the teaching because you're very good at it. <laughs> okay. So, so tell me about it. Yeah, so I'll tell you about the confusion. Um, like, uh, yeah, there's a lot to tell, huh? Um, like, well, yeah, I, I, I don't know where, where to begin, honestly. Um, like, should I tell you the whole history of my, like, kind of like a synopsis of my life, or should oh, I just... Okay, a, sh a short, a short synopsis, but, um... Let's let's do it within the past, say, two years. Two years. Okay, that's not a lot. Yeah, two years. Okay, so I I kind of started meditating three years ago, um, right. but because of a breakup, I think, and just life situations, um, and I got really gripped by it, uh, and um, gripped I, I by think, what? Meditation and Buddhism. I mean, it's all I've basically been been reading about and uh, and doing, and and it's just and yeah, it it's intensified and intensified, and I mean, um, yeah, I, it just it just takes and me, and so uh, I'm kind of addicted by it. Up, huh? What I pick up from you is is that you're trying to balance yourself on the two legs of a three-legged stool. Okay. And you keep falling over. Yeah. Okay. The three legs of the three-legged stool are the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. Okay. And you don't have a Sangha. Yeah. Well, there is a Sangha. I, I go to the Zen Sangha here, um, the local Zen group. And... Uh, it, it, it's kind of great, actually. The teacher is is nice, and um, his wife also started teaching recently. Um, but I do kind of like there's no one. Like I do kind of miss. Uh, like I I feel quite lonely sometimes because you I feel do what? quite lonely yeah. at times. Yeah, because it's just I've been so gripped by and and there's not a lot of people that um, I can really talk to. Or that have the same kind of passion, I guess. Um, okay. There's one. There, there's one that I that I talk to frequently. Um, but still. So you're singing the song High Diddly D, Zen is not for me. <laughs> well... <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, my my heart's really in the place, huh? and and um, I love the group and I love the teacher. Huh? It's uh, I, I. But well, now all of a sudden you love them. Before you didn't fit in and you didn't know anybody and you felt lonely. So wait, say that again. I I didn't catch that. I said yes, and before that you said you didn't fit in, you didn't know anybody, and you felt lonely. And now you're saying that you're fitting in and all. So look at how you changed right there. Yeah. It maybe perhaps you thought the first thing you said was not good enough, and so you had to kind of fix it up. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, back to the confusion. Yeah, the confusion is um, like I, I think I've decided for now to stay lay. To what? To stay uh, as a lay person, to not go. To uh, stay as a okay. <laughs> There's no such thing as lay people in Buddhism. That's Catholicism. Within Buddhism, they make the distinction between 
uh, noble and um, uh, Putajana, which okay. means same as Abami Putra, the sons of the soil, ordinary people. Okay, didn't know that. Yeah. Which is not the same kind of distinction as those who were in the robes and those who were not. Because there's many who were not in the robes who were noble. And there are a few in the robes who are not. <laughs> Quite a few. <laughs> Probably. Okay. So. So anyway, you made that decision. But where's the confusion now? Yeah, so the confusion is. I. I've put a lot of effort into being um, a programmer, like a software developer. And um, what language? Now I'm doing a new language, Dart. It's it's uh, it's for mobile applications. It's a new framework that Google made. Is that on Android base? Sorry. Is that Android based? Uh, it's for both platforms, so it's cross-platform. So you write once and you export it to. You used to be okay. an, uh, an engineer as well, right? Yeah, long yeah. time ago. Long time ago. <laughs> Actually, no. My life is still that of an engineer. Explain. One of the one of the major points of a let us say construction or structural engineer is to make sure that things don't fall over. Which means he's constantly aware of gravity and how it affects everything. Okay. That that I just gave you is pure Dhamma. Let us all become structural engineers so that things don't fall over. <laughs> Let's keep things sitting upright so that they're not under stress and tend to wean or have an attitude. Okay, because things are going to fall over. And the more their gravity is pulling on something from some direction or another, the more likely it is to follow. So if we have an upright attitude, things don't fall over so easily. Is this also like a, an analogy to the three-legged stool? Like a three-legged stool, precisely when you've got the three legs and you have some stability. Yeah. Three-legged stool with only two legs in it winds up being inherently unstable, not only because of the legs themselves and the fact that you've got three that are two of them are now at a particular kind of an angle, but then so is the chair. And the human butt is used to having a flatter level surface to sit on. We don't like to sit on the hill, so we don't know how to do it. <laughs> Slide off onto the floor. I okay. How we got that way. But that's the confusion. <laughs> well, <laughs> so become an engineer, keep things upright and balanced so that things don't fall over like a skyscraper in the high wind. Yeah, I'm trying to. Huh? Pardon? I'm trying to. Oh, words of a failure. We use the word try in two ways, one very seldomly and the other one commonly as an excuse for failure because we come out of the position of being a victim. I can't do it, mommy, but I look how hard I tried. So give me mercy and let me have a free pass. This is the magical thinking of humans, is, is that they can continue to fail 
and get the prize anyway. So we have to change our attitude from I'm failing or I'm trying into I can do it. I got that. I understand. And I got it. Okay. So how can we move you out of confusion, victimhood, falling over, not standing up straight into joy, humor, got it wired mentality so that you can go around joyfully and spread that joy all over the place. Yeah, so my main confusion is around livelihood. Like, um, um, like in the beginning of this year, I was meditating a lot and I felt my, I think, my worldly desires kind of fade. Like I used to be quite driven, and and I wanted to, I wanted to be, I wanted to make my own application, and I've put a lot of effort into that. But then, my that drive just kind of fell through meditation, and now, and I wanted to balance it. Like I went to meetings, I went to like meetups, and to try and like re, re, revive my my drive. But then all I could see was like, um, I don't know, like greedy people. You, you, I got this. You want to be driven. You want your mojo back and meetups will give it to you. Okay, I got that. That's no, 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 no. Well, Go ahead. Well, that, so, 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 yeah, then I want, well, wanted to balance it out again. Yeah, like, like you said, I wanted my mojo back. <laughs> but then, some, and then. Uh, all I could see was kind of like greed and and maybe yeah struggling to to get some fame and some um, recognition and um, yeah it didn't do it for me and and now I'm very like dispassionate okay. about so what you're telling me then basically without um, let us say explaining it too much right now you've become tired of human society in the world because you see that it did not fulfill and never will what it has offered you all your life. In other words, you're waking up to the lies that you've been told. Yeah. But the job is not fulfilling. But look how many people are in that job saying, look how hard I try, Daddy. The Daddy's in their head. So, but that's also where the confusion comes in. Eh? Like, there are, like, there's degrees of, of have, like, for instance, when I'm in a job and I'm, and it's right on my skill level and I'm challenged, um, um, and it's interesting work, then I'm, then I'm motivated, I'm happy, but when it gets, you know, when it gets to, like, a, a routine or it gets, um, yeah, I don't learn Wait as much. When it when it gets like means that your attitude inside your own mind has changed. Yeah. So sometimes your attitude is this and sometimes your attitude is that. And you're still kind of blaming the work itself on how you feel. Giving you the control of your feelings away. But you could feel hot diggity dog no matter what the job is. You've got good control of your mind. Fuck. Not only that, but when wisdom comes in, you stop doing a whole lot of those jobs that are not prone to give you hot diggity dogs. <laughs> and start going and spending your time where you can find a whole lot of hot diggity dogs. <clears throat> So, so, so wait, what do you mean by hot diggity dogs again? <laughs> I didn't define it. I'm leaving that up to you. 
But it's something that you're looking for that you're not having. And you're looking for a way of spending your time more appropriately so that you can have more of that. Yes. And in fact, you ain't got enough of it. I guess. So the confusion is, how do I go get some? Yeah. Well, guess what? Welcome to the human mind. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, see, but uh, like. We are all dissatisfied and we are all looking for something. And what you're doing is, is that you're putting down a whole lot of shining objects. Because there's no more shiny objects out there that you can recognize that are any value to even go and inspect. And that's a major turning point in one's life. When you recognize that the playpen that you're in is no longer worthy of the kind of things you want to play with. Some of them are downright dangerous and unwholesome. And so it's better to get us out. In fact, what I'm really talking about again is Sangha, is to getting away from ordinary people and getting around people who are worthy being around. Yeah, I know, but this is where the whole confusion comes in. But then I decided to, to stay here, to, to um, but then I got, got to find a livelihood. And, um, and um, what? You, then, you said what? Then I have to find a livelihood. Why? Because I need to make money. Why? Because I want to survive. (laughs) Then take the next breath. Well, but... Because that's all you need to survive right now. Yeah, right now. Right now. But it won't be in a year's time. And there's a whole lot, there's a whole lot of right nows that you're missing because you're worried about the future that doesn't exist. That's true. Yeah. But you were outright livelihood when, in fact, um, the Buddha teaches about the four requisites. We only need just enough food, just enough housing, just enough clothing, and just enough medical attention. Just enough. Bare basics. Gurdjieff in the 1920s proved that 20 people could live off of a waiter's salary. Yeah, I know. But I'm already living quite frugally. You do that at the watt daily. (laughs) Yeah. But the thing is, like, um, it's, it's it's not quite as easy as that because... You, you hang around with people and they're used to a certain standard and they want to do stuff and and it's it's hard because you, you can't like always say no um yep. i can't join i have no money i don't want this or it's it's like it's different if you live in a bar you'll become an alcoholic okay if you live in a church, you'll become a Christian. <laughs> I actually live in a church. <laughs> okay. Um, we become that which we associate with. And now you're talking to me about associating with people that actually you wouldn't really, if you thought about it, want to be associating with those people who, think, who look down upon you and think that you don't have enough money to hang out with them no no it's not like that like the people are nice and and i i i want to associate with them but um why what what i don't understand where you're coming from is this because you just simply don't have anything more or better 
It's just that you're associating with the people because you become in the habit of associating with these people or associating with those kinds of people. Yeah. Okay. So what are you saying? Are you saying like extract yourself if you want something else? Well, I'm saying uh, there's a two-step process and that the two-step process sometimes is mixed. And sometimes one happens and then the other and sometimes it's the other way around. But these are the two qualities that happen. Is One is, is that we start associating with nobles. And number two, we start associating with noble. Actually, that's backwards. First is you begin to associate in our own mind with noble. And then we start looking for other people to hang around with who are noble. Free from suffering. At least when they remember to. Okay. And so they can help you remind yourself of remaining noble and vice versa. But you really have to go off into seclusion and practice getting your mind into a noble state, which you haven't done yet with all the meditation practice that you've done. What you've done is, um, let us say, removed quite a number of things that you've run across. But you still haven't gotten down to the point about the attitude of the mind being that of a victim, trying, etc., like that. This is what we need to start working on with Anapanasati, is to start to make some changes to that kind of stuff. Yeah. And that's why I've been listening so carefully to what you've said is to give you the example that you can start clearly listening to what you yourself are saying or, or thinking. You can recognize that some of it is just not wholesome. The word try, for instance, you can throw that one right out. Yeah. <laughs> I saw you scratch it right out. <laughs> Sorry? I just, I was hearing the, the, the scratching sounds and seeing your hand motion and recognizing that you just scratched it out. <laughs> no, I didn't. I, un I underlined it. Oh. I underlined it, yeah. Well, okay. it's true, but... And I, I just came from a, a six-week kind of retreat. Okay, and um, that's another question that I should have asked you earlier. How many retreats have you done? Uh, well, I think three in a short period of time. Uh, well, three this year, and then last year I did a solo retreat. That was, um, yeah, I think in total like five, five retreats maybe. Well, you're lucky to run across the Noble Dhamma faster than I did. I spent 10 years practicing with Gawanka and all kinds of places, doing all kinds of weird stuff. <laughs> so, um, what, what do they teach at these retreats? I, I assume that the the five retreats or so that you've done um, are within a what we call a method or a frame of reference or uh, got some Asian name attached to it. <laughs> well, not really, actually. Uh, yeah, because I mean, yeah, because they're they were. Well, except for the last one, uh, they didn't give much guidance. Uh, and now in the last one, uh, it was a Zen, a Zen retreat. 
and and yeah, every weekday. You don't need much guidance. Zen gets right down to the point. Yeah. You gotta listen to them. Zazen means just sitting. Yeah. Just sit there, yeah. like you were just tired from a job and you wanted to catch your breath for the next forty years, and you just sit there and enjoy it. Yeah. Right? That's all there is to it. But you don't know how to do it. Yeah, the pervasive thing. And like I had six weeks and um, like I got to like I got to new states of calm, but there was one underlying current that I just couldn't break. It was like yeah, the, the, the becoming, like what do I do? What I'm what am I gonna do in the future? What what should I, you know, you know, you know the one, right? <laughs> uh-huh. Yes. And you didn't get the right instructions of throwing those thoughts out. They're unwholesome, unbecoming. But it's how how can you future. how can you throw that one out? When you think of thoughts of the future, you throw them out with the confidence that whenever the future does bring something new, you can handle it quite well. You're the champion here. Okay, You're but, the champion. But see, right now... You don't have to plan. But see, right now, I, I don't have any income. You don't have what? Income. Oh, well, that means you're free. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> That's a beautiful state to be in. Yeah, it is. And if you're if you're associating with people who are like that, you'll just be fine. And if you associate with people who still got money and want you to have some, you'll be miserable. Mm-hmm. And then you'll long for and hope to get a job. And now you're right back into the soup. So you could take an opportunity. Take a hike. Yeah. But see, is that also becoming? That's also thinking about options and deciding what to do. And it depends on how far into the future you're looking. Let us say it this way. This is one of the things that I learned from a really, really good friend who spent too much time in the hospital and too much time in jail. Just a little of both. And his name, by the way, was Randy. And Randy taught me several things about motorcycles. And one of them was, is that the further ahead you can see, the faster you can go. And if you can't see where you're going, don't go there too fast. Watch where you're going. And I didn't recognize how pure Dhamma that was. Two years later, I just thought that it was the way to drive motorcycles. Like, don't get behind trucks and stay too close. That's a really stupid thing to do is to go 60 miles an hour when you can't see more than about 15 feet in front of you. That truck that you're following too close. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And so, yet we yeah. often live our lives like that. But meanwhile, the whole point is, is that we cannot see the future very well. We can only see it just so far. Well, so, so you're planning way off into the future when, in fact, you, all you need to do is just plan your next plane ticket. So you're you're so so you're you're saying don't think too far ahead. Yeah, don't think too far in advance. The Buddha—that's the teachings of the Buddha. That's what the Zazen is teaching. It's just sit there. Don't plan off into the future. Mm-hmm. It'll make yourself miserable. Give you all kinds of worries about what didn't happen when you thought it should. Instead of just having a ball when it does happen all by itself without your help. 
Yeah, but it's it's there's a there's well, a huge amount of way, fear. What we're talking about is, is that the doubt actually covers up something a little bit deeper, and that is fear. Yeah, there's a lot of fear. Like I can, like I feel it, and like, and every day it's yeah. like. I wake up and I have to calm the fear. I have to be with the fear and let it pass. And uh, well, then you're not following the teaching of the Buddha. That sounds like Mahasi or something. So explain the Buddha's teaching. The Buddha would say that before you actually feel the fear, recognize the thoughts that are bringing on the fear. That you thought of something fearful and then you had the fear. You didn't have the fear first. That the mind and the and the fear of the feelings and the body work together, and the mind is okay. the forerunner. Now, if yes. you do feel afraid, find out that you are afraid, and then immediately start having thoughts that are going to calm that fear. And pretty soon you'll be able to get fast enough to where you can see the actual thoughts that cause the fear and you can put a stop to it before it starts. This is Anapanasati. And you have to be able to see those unwholesome thoughts. And the kind of thoughts that I'm talking about are the kind of thoughts of where the mind leans or your attitude. These are not talking about discursive thoughts. Talking about the direct ones. They don't last very long, but whether they can turn that fear bucket machine on very quickly. Yeah. Okay. So having a basic thought about, oh, what if? What if ism? What about ism? People just terrify themselves with those kinds of thoughts. And Zazen teaches, no, just just sit. Just sit. Don't think about all of those things that terrify you. <laughs> when you learn that you can change your thoughts and you can change the way that you feel, then how would you feel? Would you feel safe and secure? Would you feel comfortable? Yeah. Would you could you feel satisfied with the moment everything is okay the way that it is? Well, how how about feeling successful? Like I've got this wired. I do know how to make myself happy and successful and safe and secure and comfortable and satisfied. I know how to do that. You start having that attitude rather than the attitude of oh shit. Yeah. Now guess what? What we are actually doing is taking the back door into the Eightfold Noble Path. This is the Eightfold Noble Path we're talking about. This is Anapanasati we're talking about. This is the teaching of the Buddha. Is to wake up, take a look at what you're doing in your mind, and then make a change. And then congratulate yourself for the change. That is it. That is one's right effort to make a change. Sati, to wake up, to really wake up, to really look at what you're doing. To really look at what you're doing is Anapanasati, step number nine. of examining the mind, examining the state of mind as well as the content of the mind. And I'm asking you to start examining the state of mind that you're in. It doesn't hard to take any mind moments at all. And here you've been meditating all of this time, and nobody ever taught you about the Eightfold Noble Path. Well, I mean, just sit, right? <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. Just sit. Well, that's because there's just short circuiting all the little steps. And here you are 
not taking the step of learning to just sit and be satisfied. Got to talk yourself into sitting and being satisfied. Hey, I don't have to think about the future right now. I can just be happy and safe and secure and comfortable right now where I am, whether that's on a park bench in Belgium or on the Thames or on the yard here, doesn't matter where you are. What matters is, is that you can enjoy where you are rather than wanting to go someplace to get someplace. And so this is one's right livelihood. There's no livelihood at all. Now that's the right livelihood. What do you mean with no livelihood at all? You mean? Well, um, your, your lifestyle winds up being quite, I mean, you do know at the bottom of it, and because Zen is really, really pounding on it hard, much more than the Theravadas do, but there are the suttas there that really make it important about sunyata or sunyata. The answer is, down at the bottom of it all, there ain't nothing. There ain't nothing there. You made it all up. And you go around in the company that make it up the same way that you were making it up. And there's really nothing to it. <laughs> Wait, say that last part again. There's just really nothing to it. No, no, before that with the company. I said that you, you, you've made it all up and you associate with other people who have made it all up. And nobody knows that they've made it all up. And yeah. at the bottom of all that making up, there's nothing to it. Exactly, yeah. Nothing there. So why not just sit and enjoy it? You have to remember to do that because you're so much in the habit of, oh, what if? Yeah. <laughs> so now you can begin to see those what if thoughts and recognize that they terrify you. Which keeps you confused. Exactly, yeah. But see, but that's the thing what I'm struggling with. Like I get I get those teachings, but isn't it like you're it's always like two way interaction between me and the world, right? Actually, no. The interaction is between the superego and the id, if you want to speak in Freudian terms. The superego and the? And the id. The or id. the way that Eric Byrne would describe it is it's a dialogue between the superego or the parent, adult, uh, the parent ego state and the child ego state which is the way that things were when we were children. The big people were the adults. Actually, they weren't adults. They were parents. There was no adult in the room. That's the whole problem with child raising. There's no, there's no adults in the room. They're all either parents or children. And we grow up that way, and we continue to think that way. And what the whole teaching of the Buddha is, is to bring the adult into the wake up and look at this dialogue that we have inside that makes us feel bad. And it normally is in the fact of setting standards. You're supposed to meet this standard. And then the child reacts to that new rule. That's just an old rule. It's just been newly applied. Like you got to work to eat is a parent ego state. It's not the world that's telling you that something that's happening within your own mind. And so after you say that, then the child begins to feel that. Oh no, poor me, what am I going to do? And that dialogue keeps going. And guess what? The language that the child speaks is the language of emotion. 
the language that the parent speaks is chatter, verbiage, uh, uh, monologue. And the way that the adult communicates is by direct scene. So we have to stop with our dialogues, stop with our thought processes, start recognizing that we terrify ourselves with all of those rules and standards. By the way, in the Pali, that is Sivabhata Paramasa, adherence to rights, rules, and whatnot. And it's one of the primary fetters. We have to get over that. It's one of the early things that we have to do, along with fetter number three, doubt. We have to come out of the doubt. We have to come to the point of being so confident that the Eightfold Noble Path works, that you can handle anything. It's all about a matter of changing one's attitude, one thought at a time, over and over and over and over again. And every time that you see that that thought is unwholesome because it's setting some standard that you feel bad about, then chuck that thought out. Another way of talking about it is, is that all of those thoughts are critical thoughts. We have critical parents. Going around fussing, no, 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 you got to do it this way, you got to do it that way. And the child feels bad about all of that. But the parent can make a change, and that is the original parent was nurturing. A young, tender infant gets nurturing. Doesn't matter where he poops, parents will take care of it. But by the time he's 16, if he poops on the rug on, in the living room, they'll become critical. But his first bowel movement, they're all hunky-dory with that. They celebrate it. Sometimes they'll bronze it. First turd. <laughs> so what we need to do is to go back to that early stage in life where we felt nourished and taken care of rather than feeling criticized and not up to standard. And we can intentionally practice that now that I'm mentioning it to you, is to remember to nurture yourself. You're okay. Yeah, you're out of work. Isn't that marvelous? Wow, you go any place you want to go and do anything you want to do. Well, but see, there's still the question of money, right? No, that's your question. Throw that question out for a while. <laughs> yeah, but like last year, I was in the same situation. Well, see, um, nothing has happened, nothing's changed, everything's the way that it was, <laughs> except that you've been miserable for the year. What's going to happen a year from now is the same thing, and you're back where you were, except that now you can feel marvelous the whole year. Up to you. But, but you have to have a you're, certain you're amount still, of basic... You're still thinking about stuff that's way off in the future. Instead of getting a load of what the Buddhists teach, we can deal with that kind of stuff later. You need to learn how to deal with the now because you've been dealing with the later and you haven't gotten anywhere with that. So we'll deal with the later later when we figure out how to deal with now yeah but that's 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 the thing i'm like i know what i'm doing right now is that i'm i'm thinking about the future again but if i run let out let me ask you this where are you going to sleep tonight in my room okay then that's all you need is where mm. you're going to sleep tonight yeah 
let tomorrow night take care of itself tomorrow. You only need to worry about where you're going to sleep tonight. Okay. So get used to being in the here now and stop worrying about the long distant future. Just take care of what's happening right now, which means get your mind into a very, very happy, noble state. Okay. Forget about the future. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Learn some Zen already. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I think I can do that. Okay. So now while you're doing what you call meditation, you can stop doing that <laughs> and stop doing everything else. Just sit there and enjoy. Yeah. Okay. Stop all the future thoughts. Stop all the past thoughts. Just say it right now. I can just sit here. Okay. And enjoy it. Okay. And while you're sitting there in the here now, though, you'll recognize there's a whole lot of stuff happening. There's some meditation teachers recommend uh, keeping the eyes closed. Others recommend let them stay open for a while until they want to close. The real reality is, is that, hey, your eyes are needed here. You need to start looking at what's going on. It's part of being in the here now. It's using your eyes rather than magical eyes in the brain. You've heard all of this stories about a third eye. Close that damn thing and open the real ones. <laughs> Let's not have thoughts and visions of the future. Let's have real eyeball contact with the reality that you live in. Come into the senses that we are in now. Start paying attention to the breathing. Recognize the body. Start recognizing that fear that kind of leaps in so that you can catch the thoughts that started those feelings. And then you can come back and say, I don't have to worry about that right now. I just sit here and just enjoy the fact that I can clean my mind. Thought by thought. Feeling by feeling. This is what sati is all about, is remember to look. Okay. Look closely now, pay attention, and then take the right effort to change it right then and there. Most Westerners have the idea when they hear that the actual teachings of the Buddha is nothing but Dukkha, Dukkha, Naroda. What they hear in their heads because of all the stuff that they've seen around is Dukkha, 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 more Dukkha. I see that Dukkha, but that Dukkha is related to this Dukkha, this Dukkha, <laughs> and see how much Dukkha we can find. Okay? And that's not the teaching of the Buddha. The Buddha is Dukkha, Dukkha, Naroda. Come out of the Dukkha as soon as you see it. Immediately come out. Okay. Right into the here now. Learn to control the here now rather than trying to control the distant future. Both money-wise and spiritualized. And what? Spiritualized. Okay. Magical thinking about enlightenment in the distant future. Thoughts about where is Nirvana. In fact, Nirvana is just when you're cool. <laughs> it's when you're cool. That's what the okay. word means. Chill, oh, really? baby, just chill. <laughs> <laughs> Stop being so okay. hot about the future and just chill. Okay. 
So be in the here now with the senses. Get in touch with the body. Get in touch with the hair on the arm in the breeze. Get in touch with the touch of the cloth on the body. Get in touch with the breathing and the rising and falling and the just sitting and the touching. For that expression before, I'm sure, rising, falling, touching, sitting. That's something you do in the here now. <sighs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so this is the way to practice, is the practice of coming into the here now, safe, secure, comfortable, satisfied, and successful. Keep practicing that over and over and over again, and you'll begin to start changing your attitude. Okay. Uh, so let's finish this now and make a plan for the future. <laughs> when are you going to call? No, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna be here. I'm just gonna be happy. Okay. Well, give it a couple of days. Practice, and then call me again, and we'll continue into a little more. Uh, let us call it uh, uh, structurally. I've been kind of all over the place today. Okay. Trying to get your attention. Okay. So let me ask you this last question, and that is. Are you full of doubt right now? No, not full. <laughs> How about a little bit of enthusiasm? <laughs> yeah, there is. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, you take that enthusiasm and play with it like a new toy. I will. All right. Thank you. Fine. We'll see you later. Okay. Thanks, Amadato. Have a great day. Okay, bye bye. Have a good day. <laughs> Bye, man.